You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. Tom Rossi came up to me in the break. He said, dude, you shouldn't mention the glitter at all in the talk. <laughs> Which would be kind of funny. I wish I would have thought about that in another week. I need it this week, though. But, um, you know, two weeks ago, I, I, we've been preaching through uh, First Corinthians. You like that, Kyle, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you like that. I know. But anyway, um, we're going to be, someone told me that this doesn't come out of the chairs and so just know, for the next, maybe for eternity, you're going to be walking around with glitter on your butt if you come to RCC. You won't know it, but it'll be there. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I preached on 1 Corinthians, and we've been working through 1 Corinthians, and we're at the end of the second chapter, and I was speaking about the, um, the difference between a person that is filled with spiritual wisdom uh, in contrast to a person that is filled with worldly wisdom. And I talked about how Paul, in this passage, was contrasting these two groups of people, and that, the, there, that there are implications on an individual level and I kind of reference the importance on an individual level of once we experience our eyes being open to the mysteries of God, that we need to seek being filled with the Spirit through intimacy with Jesus Christ. And the intimacy with Christ, our intimacy or the mysteries of God are only revealed to us as we become intimate with Christ through the Spirit. And so when I, and I talked about the importance of that because we're called to live in a way that demonstrates to the world that there's this mystery that we know how life is experienced best, that God has revealed this mystery to us through the Spirit. And I, and I talked about the differences between kind of a man or a woman who is pursuing those things and a man or a woman who is pursuing the things of the world. And, uh, and this week, I want to talk about the implications or the importance of then taking that to the world. Like, what does it look like to I Heart Jacks? Like, how does that really happen? What does that mean? And what is the importance of that? Because I think that a lot of us, you know, we feel like this treasure or this mystery that we've been entrusted to feels more like a burden. And we see people in the world not living in a way like we live, like they're not living in a way that's consistent with the values that we have. And it feels like, well, how come I, I have this burden to carry? I have this, I'm supposed to be living this way. I'm disciplining myself. I have all this stuff going on in my life. And they're just getting away scot-free. And it kind of, we have this position with, with the rest of the world that we come across as angry. When what Paul is reflecting to us is that we have been enlightened with this mystery of love and of life that comes in living, away, you know, living the best life possible. And that we've been blessed with the opportunity to live this life. And that the people of the world don't understand that. And instead of moving towards them in love, we judge them. We condemn them. We get angry at them. And Paul, in this chapter and throughout 1 Corinthians and Romans, makes a very strong case that the only reason we've been blessed with this is because of God's grace. And that we have a healthy and beautiful and opportunistic response to that grace. And it looks like loving people like Jesus loved people. Understanding that the only way people's eyes are opened is through the Spirit. And that we're called to pray and to love and to bring that to them. And so that's what I want to talk about today is, is, is how we kind of get off track a little bit in that way. But also, I really want to show how 
what Paul communicates in the second part. It starts at, at verses 10b, kind of through 16. So I'm going to read that, and then we're just going to work through this together, like I did the last time, showing that first, that this gift, that this is a gift, it's not a burden, that we've received from God, and that it leads to life. And as we experience life, we want to bring that life to other people. So let's read this, and we'll go from there. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So that's the first kind of person that Paul's, he just talked about the spiritual person and how we've been entrusted with spiritual things and that the spiritual things that we've been entrusted to or by the Spirit have only come to us as a gift by the Spirit. And I'll unpack a little more uh, specifics of that. But I also want to remind you this, that Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people inside the church, which is why we're talking about it here, okay? The natural person, now this is the other kind of person. He's just drawing a contrast here, okay? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able. I'm going to tell you what that word really says. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, we pray this morning that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes, everything to understand the truth that you have for us so that we would live differently and we would love better. In your Jesus' name, amen. I almost said in your spirit's name. Would that be wrong? I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, didn't say it, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, Paul starts off and he says this. Don't, don't keep thinking about that. Just, just stop thinking about that right now, Rossi. Just quit. Just don't even process it. Just let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Paul says this. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And the verb that uh, Paul uses here is present active, meaning this. This is so cool. The, the, and, and scary at the same time for the non-spiritual people over here that don't have glitter. You know, that's scary. To believe that like the spirit is searching, it means all the time, everywhere, every part of you, God knows. Everything you think, everything, God knows about everything about you. That The spirit is actively searching and pursuing and seeking out and looking for the things in your life that aren't acting in a way that is spiritual, bringing them to the Father, crying out for us, is what Paul says in Romans, crying out for us, interceding on our behalf. The Spirit is constantly doing this for us, and that He knows everything, all the time, everywhere. I mean, which reflects a God who's love. I mean, think about that. That God loves us so much that he is always actively seeking to pursue and redeem and pour out his love on you. And the darkest places of your life that you're trying to hide from him are the places where the spirit, he's going there to reveal, to pop up, to bring to present the work that God wants to do in that part of your life. To heal that part of your heart. 
And in that, as someone who is spiritually filled, a spiritual person has freedom in that to, to not hide. God's saying, so don't try to hide anything from me. But I want you to bring everything to me. Everything I want you to bring to me. And it says that God and all things... Un- un- in the presence of God, all things are uncovered and opened. And it talks about the deep things of God in this, in this passage. The deep things of God. And so not only is the Spirit searching us, it says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is also searching the depths of the Creator. That's what Paul is talking about here. And so, I mean, think about that. That the, that the things of God that we can't understand, the Spirit that lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit is searching the things of God at the same time and interceding and bringing together those truths into our life, the blessings of God into our life in a way that is transforming our hearts and the way that we live. For the, and he goes on, for who knows a person's thoughts, motives for their actions? Who knows why a person does what he does except the spirit of that person which is in him. So Paul begins to use this human argument. He says, he goes, how, if you see someone behave or act or live a certain way, you don't know why they're doing that. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And Paul's drawing this contrast between us and God. If you don't know why a person acts the way he acts or does what he does, don't pretend or think that you could know why God does what God does. Don't pretend to think that you could comprehend or understand or unlock or understand why God opens the eyes or brings life to or how he does that with certain groups of people and not others. Don't begin to think that you could ever know that about God. Because if you can't know that about each other, how would you possibly be able to unpack that or comprehend that truth about God? And so Paul, again, he's saying, so don't worry about those things. Worry about the things that your eyes have been opened to see. Worry about the spiritual truths that have been taught to you, have been spoken to you, the life and the love and the blessings that you've received. Those are the things that God has revealed to you in his timing, in his ways, so that you will then do something with them. Okay? Now we, and again, he's talking about, he's talking to all the Christians in the church, speaking to the whole church, have received or have been given, is a better translation, we've been given something, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, the spirit that knows the things of God, was with him when he formed you. He knew you at the creation of the world, a spirit that seeks to bless you, protect you, to grow you in the things of God that lead to life, things that will not pass away like the unspiritual man whose wisdom will. And why did God give us that spirit? So that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And this is where Paul says that it was a gift, freely given. Our eyes would be open to the things that have been given to us by God. Not things that we've earned so that we can boast. Not things that we've figured out in our mind with our eye, with our ear. Remember we just, that was two weeks ago. But things that have been given to us. So that we can, and this has been imparted to us in words not taught by human wisdom. Wisdom that does not know God or things of God or the intentions of God. Not from the world that dies and passes away and does not understand spiritual wisdom. But taught by the spirit. And so we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. 
Again, Paul is arguing for this, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's not complicated, that anyone who hears this as the Spirit moves in their life will be able to understand it, and will bring life, and will bring love, and will bring transformation, will bring God, God's blessings to them. But taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are, or who are spiritual. And again, so we get this picture in this paragraph, and Paul is kind of highlighting the spiritual person. We're getting ready to look at the unspiritual person here. As he's drawing this reality, this picture for us, and he wants us to leave with this one point. And the point is that it's by grace, it is by God's gift, it's by his grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. There's nothing that you've done to earn this. There's nothing you've done to open your eyes. There's nothing that you've done in this process that's brought you life. It has all come from the Spirit of God. None of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of words, so that no one may boast. That's in Romans. Paul talks about that. That's a, a verse from Romans. And Paul wants us to be clear that we've been entrusted with this mystery, that this mystery is a gift, that we haven't earned it, we don't deserve it, and, and, and so we have no business judging, condemning, or being angry at anybody who hasn't received the gift. See how he's setting us up a little bit here? Because now he's getting ready to tell us why we shouldn't condemn people who don't believe what we believe. How, why we should love them. And he goes on and says this. Now this is the unspiritual person. Whoops. You know, we just sang this, this truth, this reality about God's movement, about God's grace. You made a way when there was none. There's nothing I could do. There's no way back to you, basically. I tried to run, but I couldn't hide from you. Your love broke through my hardened heart. And now I love, I live to love and sing only for you. That's the message of Romans that I just read. Here's the second part, the second paragraph. The natural person. The translation declares, this, uh, the natural person, that uh, he's, he, he's, again, drawing a separation between the spiritual and the, and the unspiritual person. A person who lives for God, has been trans by God, transformed by God, and a person that hasn't. A person that's faithful, and a person that's unfaithful. A person that finds their wisdom and their truth from the world, and a person that finds their life and their wisdom and their truth from God. And Paul just simply calls him a natural person. He could have called us in the first bit a supernatural person. Because our wisdom comes from something that is supernatural. A spirit that is supernatural. The natural person does not accept. He rejects the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him. They are silly to him. And it says that he is not able to understand them. And when I looked up this word and I read different commentaries on what, what, is, what does that mean? He's not able to understand them. What it means is he's not able to understand them. <laughs> it means that he is incapable of understanding the truths of God. He's incapable of understanding them. They make no sense to him. They seem silly to him. They seem ridiculous to him. They make no sense. And so Paul's saying, it's, 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 it would, it's like they can't get their head around it at all. And so don't be angry at them. Don't, 
don't let, don't let your pride of the blessings that you've received cause you to judge them or to condemn them, but allow it to drive you to love them. And he's drawing this. I mean, he says, he can't, the person that has not had their eyes opened by the Spirit, enlightened by the Spirit, the truth revealed by the Spirit, cannot understand. They just don't understand. Let's show that video real quick. Here's one such person. Hi, everyone. I'd like to thank all the angry born-again Christians who have been writing to tell me how much they're looking forward to my eternal torment in the flames of hell. It's nice to know that I'm in your prayers. And you are rubbing your hands with gleeful anticipation, too, some of you, by the sounds of it, when you're not furiously typing pages and pages of scripture. And yet, if I call you crazy, apparently I'm the one who's being offensive. It's a funny old world, isn't it? To be fair, I do actually sympathize to some extent. I mean, it must be quite galling for religious people to see atheists like me going about their business without a shred of guilt or self-loathing and not in the least inclined to pray or to do penance of any kind and not in the slightest bit worried about any form of eternal punishment. I have to admit, if I was religious, I'd probably think to myself, well, how come I've got all this weight on my shoulders while these bums are getting a free ride? And I don't even think that I'd be comforted either, as some of you clearly are, by the prospect of their eternal torture in the flames of hell, roasting in agony and tormented by demons, because I don't really buy that scenario. Okay. I think if hell does exist... And so... I mean, he doesn't get it, does he? Like he he's like, what's the big deal? Like, why are you bothering me with this? I am, like, that must drive you crazy that I don't have this burden that you have. And I have this life that's, you know, he has no concept whatsoever of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to bash the truth. I mean, he just goes on and on. There's lots of videos that this guy has. But you can tell when you listen to him that, that he's not angry at us. He kind of thinks it's funny. He's like, what's the big deal? And, and, and when you read or you listen to this guy, you get the, clear, the clearest picture I've ever seen of somebody who just doesn't, you can tell, he can't understand it. He can't. And so what is our, how are we supposed to move towards him? How, what are we supposed to do towards him? Are we supposed to condemn him because he doesn't understand? I mean, you've heard Christians are writing back to him, angry. I can't wait for you to burn in hell. And be, I mean, I'm like, Seriously? That's our response? I mean, when I went and sprinkled the glitter around, I sprinkled it around everybody. I just picked the middle section because usually these are the people that come every week and they wouldn't get mad at me. (laughs) Everyone who visits kind of sits on the edge a little bit. No, but I knew this was the safest section. But I could have been wrong. I obviously was. But, um, (laughs) but, But I just kind of picked this group... And just threw it on them. And now, and some people in this group were like, okay, I kind of like being in the, I like being in the glitter group. That's kind of nice. I like being in the group. And then there's people out here being like, why aren't I in the glitter group? You know? I want to be in the glitter group. 
or whatever. But in the same way, you know, we don't know why or how or what God's process. We are not, we don't understand it. We can't unpack the mind of God to know how he reveals the spirit, reveals the truth, how he impacts that, how he does that, or who he does that, that with. But we know if we're sitting here, we're part of the glitter group, aren't we? We're part of the group that Paul's addressing saying, you've been revealed. The mysteries of God have been revealed to you. They've been revealed to you. You're part of the glitter group. That's who he's talking to in the church. And he's saying anyone who's not in the glitter group, they didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know today was going to be the glitter day. Or they might have sat in the middle, but they just didn't know. They didn't know. So are the glitter people going to be, are you going to be mad at them for not having glitter on them? I got to go to lunch today with glitter on me. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you because you didn't sit in the glitter section and you get to go to lunch without glitter on you. Are you mad at them for not having glitter on them? Are you angry at them for not having glitter on them? Because that's what we do as Christians. We get angry at the people who haven't been revealed by the Spirit the things that we've been told. We get angry at them. We condemn them. We tell them, you got to change. you got to do this. Why would they change if they have not seen the truth and the love of God? Why would they change? They are after the same thing you are, life to the full. And somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit revealed to you that that life is in Jesus Christ. And what we know is that God's Spirit is always moving, always searching, always revealing to the, to the saved and to the unsaved the truth. Our job is to reveal the truth, to reveal the love, to bring not judgment and condemnation, but the love of Christ to those whose eyes have not been opened by the Spirit. It says the spiritual person judges all things. The spiritual person is, we go direct, I mean, this is what's one of the cool things. The spiritual person, people who have glitter, people who have been, the Holy Spirit's moved on. Because the Spirit searches the things of God, in everything in life, we have opportunity to be given wisdom about. We have opportunity to see things that the unspiritual person will never see. To hear things and to be led by the Spirit in a way that they never will. And it says that, and because of that, we, God will cause us or bring us into a relationship to, to bring judgment in a positive way, to bring life in a way that leads to life. But it says that we are not to be judged by anyone. Well, why is that? Because an unspiritual person doesn't know the things of God. They haven't been revealed to them. And so how can we as a spiritual person allow an unspiritual person to judge anything about us? Why? Because everything we do looks crazy to them. Everything that we're doing as a spiritual person, will look like folly and will not make sense to someone who is unspiritual. Yet it's often our fear of what they will think about us that causes us to behave in certain ways, either to love or to not love them, to risk or to not risk towards them. I mean, how many of us, when we move, we walk up to someone who's not spiritual in public, we're like, dude, I'm so sorry. This is going to be so awkward for both of us. I'm, I'm really embarrassed about this. Why do we say that? Because we don't want them to judge us. We're afraid of what they're going to say about us. And Paul's saying, don't let people who are unspiritual affect the way that you live as a spiritual person. You have nothing to fear. Everything that you're doing looks crazy to them. And they will never understand it, no matter what you try to say. 
And then the last line, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct them, but we have the mind of Christ. And Paul brings us back to Jesus in the end. He says, Jesus perfectly saw the things the Father was doing. Jesus was the perfect representation for us of what it looks like to have the spiritual truths of God revealed to, to us and then act on them. And what did Jesus do towards people who didn't know the spiritual truths? What did he do? He loved them. It says that he was a friend of sinners. He was accused of being a drunkard. Well, you don't get accused of being a drunkard if you're not at the parties. And you're not at the parties if you're a religious person. You're at the parties if you're a sinner. Unless it's an RCC party. Then it's both. It's both. (laughs) But Jesus moved towards people in love. And, And Paul's saying, so we should have the mind of Christ. Whose eyes have been opened to the love of the Father. And it compelled him to bring the love of the Father to the lost. And that's what we're called to do. I mean, think of the person. Think of a person who's hurt you the most. Or someone who you're angry at. Or someone you don't like. Or a kid that's picking on your kid. Or someone that you think deserves to die because of something that they've done to someone else. The worst person that you can think of either in a personal sense or in a broad sense, think of that person in your mind. Okay? Now picture Jesus standing in front of them. What is his response to them? It's love. It's love. Every time, it's love. Because like that evil person, that was you. You know, Tim Keller says that we will never understand how wicked we are, how utterly wicked we are, and at the same time, never understand how loved we are. We were that person, and Jesus loved us. Our eyes were opened, and we find life in the mysteries that are found in his love for us. And so what is our response when it says, I heart Jackson? What is our response to the lost and the unspiritual person, the person that we can't stand? It's love. We're called to first love them. We're called to pray for them. And we're called to live a spiritual life that communicates to them the life that comes when, the, when God loves us. When we live like the world, we offer them nothing. But when we live like we're filled with the Spirit, we offer them everything. Paul says this in Romans. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How are the unspiritual, the lost, the brokenhearted, how are they to know Jesus unless we go and preach with our life, with our actions, with our words if we have to? That's what we're called to is people who have been entrusted with the mysteries of God, with people who have been loved with the love of Christ, is to love the world, to heart Jacksonville. Let's stand. That first scripture I said was not in Romans. It was in Ephesians, sorry.
about for grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not, yeah, you know. So this morning, we're going to have a lot of fun together. Especially those of us who have glitter and have to go out to eat now. But before we do that, let's not allow the opportunity for us to hear from Jesus again to miss or to slip by. Because I think we all, at times in our life, have forgotten that this is a blessing, not a burden that we've been given. That our eyes have been opened with love to love other people. And we need to experience more of that love. It's when we're experiencing God's love that we're able to love others. And when I was praying about this talk and praying about how the Lord wanted to move, I thought he was going to say to me, y'all need to love people more. And that wasn't his response. His response is, you need to love me more. You need to experience more of my love. As we experience more of God's love, we will naturally love other people. And if you're having a hard time loving other people, it's because you're not experiencing God's love in your life. And so for some people, I think that that's what we need this morning is we need to experience God's love. And I think for others, we have been experiencing God's love and God wants us to take that love to the people that we conjured up in our mind that we're angry at, or that we don't like, or that have hurt us and share his love with them. And so if our ministry team could come forward.